Hi, welcome to Bandwidth, the podcast about band directors and how we combat burnout to preserve some bandwidth for ourselves. Thank you to Evan Fujimoto for the music and to LMC Media for the artwork. This episode is a little intro to the genesis of the project, including my story on burnout and also what I hope to accomplish with this project. I don't know how long I'll be able to continue with this, but I hope that whatever comes out of all of this does serve as a resource for those in the band director world. Let's get a little bit into my story. So I started teaching in 2004 here in Hawaii, in Honolulu, as part of the Hawaii State Department of Education at our public schools here. And I was teaching middle school band and it was a halftime position at a very, very small school. Um, I loved it there. And I later, when I was granted tenure and transfer rights, then I moved on to teach at Kohananakoa Middle School, which is the school that I attended and had been sort of a dream school to be at because it was a community that I was familiar with. It was a program that I loved and the directors there who preceded me, including my own teacher, um, were people who cared tremendously about the community and did a lot within that community. I felt there were big shoes to fill, but that I at least owed it to give it, owed it to the community to give it a try um, to see what I could do there. So I was very fortunate to be hired there. This is a storied program with great history of very high level performance, great teaching. And I was excited to be there while also being very nervous because I knew there were a lot of very big shoes to fill. Um, it was a program that had a lot of activities going on, a lot of performances um, and just generally high expectations from the community about what the performance quality would be. Um, the program was um, sixth through eighth grade. However, at the time, uh, some of our elementary schools still had sixth grade classes and were as a complex area, which includes our, um, what some people call the pyramid, you know, our high school, two middle schools and uh, six elementary schools. Uh, our complex area was slowly turning over the sixth graders into the middle school. So I was kind of there in that transition. So the number of sixth graders in the program uh, at the time was very little because uh, the largest school in our, uh, I guess you could say district, the largest school in that district had not yet turned over their sixth graders. And we were um, just about to get one from another small school. So uh, as that had transitioned, the program grew uh, considerably. When I started there, uh, the program had shrunk considerably. I think there was a lot to be said for recruiting that wasn't done. There was a lot of attrition to some extent due to changes in leadership. Um, just anytime there's somebody new, people are going to be skeptical and whatnot and, and you know, may not join but uh there you know there's some damages done prior to my arrival as well that de definitely didn't help so i started with very few sixth graders um and that was quite stressful because the only way to maintain um you know what some people call an fte um or but to, to maintain a full-time line they put the sixth graders into an exploratory wheel which is a middle school concept that has them 
in a different course on a rotation. So in our school, there were four different courses that they would take in the course of sixth grade. And every sixth grader would go through all four of those courses. So every quarter we would change. Um, so band got put into that, into that, um, to kind of guarantee enrollment and to fill the line. But, when I looked at the number of students who actually chose to be in band for sixth grade, the number was so low that it couldn't actually sustain a class. So my biggest goal that year was to just recruit like crazy to get the numbers up. And I knew that a sizable chunk of my overall enrollment was eighth graders. So I really needed to make that up and focus on retention. I didn't have a lot of seventh graders in the band uh, that year. So that was also going to be a factor. So that first year really focused on recruiting students, uh, but also getting parental support because the entire slate of parents on the Booster Club board actually stuck around one more year to help out with the previous director, but their kids were all in high school. So I had nobody returning and had to recruit a whole new slate of parents. Thankfully for me, it was not terribly hard because I knew people in the community. Um, I knew uh, parents at one of the elementary schools because my mom taught there and I was still very active in volunteering at that school. But outside of that, there was not a lot that I knew uh, about the, those parents and that, um, that community outside of that one elementary school. As I had been, you know, a little bit distant for, for a little while. So that program eventually grew, uh, got to be, you know, fairly sizable, but not um, something that wasn't manageable. And I felt that over time, things were getting better. I was becoming a better teacher and that was great. Um, but one of the things that came with that program were a lot of, uh, a lot of things that were sort of a given. So the band had all, always participated in this uh, Christmas parade every year, the day after Thanksgiving. It had been going on for um, decades, I think going all the way back to just after World War II. So giving that up was a no-go. Um, we also had a festival that we did with two other middle schools in our area uh, that was built around making music together, uh, knowing that they'd be playing in high school together and that we would be cultivating musical relationships and social relationships with them uh, that involved an ensemble festival, no solos, just chamber music. Uh, we had an honor band, actually two honor bands, and we had a um, we had sort of a, a concert band festival for both our beginners and for the advanced students. So there was a lot of coordination with that. Um, one of the things that my predecessor did uh, that I continued and I had been doing prior to this as well at my other school was I was teaching private lessons to a lot of students, particularly those who maybe would never have the financial resources to be able to do that uh, because of their family situation, whatever it may be, uh, whether that's scheduling and being able to get someplace in the afternoon and the weekends um, or just money. So we made that commitment um, and I taught these students at no cost, of course, for ethical reasons. Um, and I felt that that gave them 
the push that they needed because these were students who are very motivated and you know this was and the private lessons will benefit just about anyone so that helped a lot but i was also teaching some other students on the side and i also had you know a whole slew of private teachers that were coming in to teach bassoon and flute and clarinet oboe uh, trumpet uh, we had tuba people for a while and percussion people for a while so i'd be there while they were teaching their lessons you know and pretty much every Saturday was there for some of them as well. So you can see how that's a lot of time. Uh, one of the things that seems to be standard practice in Hawaii, but not necessarily the case elsewhere, is that there are a lot of after-school rehearsals. I tried to keep it to a minimum, or at least what I thought was a minimum, where each of the three bands would have a rehearsal once a week. Uh, the beginning band wouldn't get started with that until much, much later. Uh, but the other two bands, which are a little bit more experienced, we'd take that extra time because our contact time during the school day was a little bit limited. But again, that was standard practice. So for me, that was normal, you know, but as I've traveled around and spoken to a lot of people, that just doesn't happen uh, elsewhere. And they seem to get it done without that time. So one of my things that I wanted to explore was how are these people doing that, you know, and is that something that is getting in the way of our ability to maintain balance for ourselves and for our students as well? Because it's an extra commitment of time for them. It's adjustments in time for parents. Um, on top of the school level things that I had, um, I also participated actively with the Oahu Band Directors Association and at some point had been in leadership positions, including being president for a little while. Um, I'd served as committee chair for select bands for solo ensemble, or maybe not solo ensemble, but a bunch of other different things where I'd helped out um, with a lot of duties. And then one of the deals with that organization is if you have students participating in the event, you are expected to volunteer at the event, be present at rehearsals to help out with things. And so there's a lot of time committed to that. You can't just have the kids go and not be present. Um, it, that's just not the way that that organization staffs those events. Um, that took a lot of my time as well. Um, I chose to play with the University of Hawaii Saxophone Choir, which was a really good uh, uh, thing for me musically to recharge my, my musical batteries. And I really enjoyed the camaraderie with those directors and who played in the, in the band in the, or in the, in the saxophone choir and the opportunity to chat with them and you know talk shop but also just connect socially on a very personal level with them i've since you know discontinued playing with that group because the the time commitment uh didn't jive well with my program and me being that absent from the ensemble was not fair to them and it just became uh, a time sink for me in the end on a fr friday night end of the week um, while it's nice to go play music and hang out, to do that every week for an entire semester is, you know, going to be taxing after a while. Um, I took on a major leadership role at the request of my principal when we did a major auditorium renovation. We essentially demoed the building down to the steel girders and the foundation and completely reimagined what that building could be, including a major reconfiguration. Uh, there was some time involved in planning for that, in securing money, in lobbying, in 
meetings for planning and all of that. Um, and then that all culminated in a big 90th anniversary fundraiser for the school, which I led the charge on. There was a lot of time involved with that. There was a tremendous amount of stress um, going with it. And while it was a great event, again, everything that happens above the surface that the public sees is just a small part of everything that's happening. And it ended up being a fun event, but one that definitely took a toll on me, uh, especially with my mental health. Um, so it was around this point that I started to see a lot of uh, issues with my physical and mental health. I had been looking around at different jobs uh, for about a three year period, um, looking at things within the DOE in Hawaii, um, looking at um, private schools, um, and just kind of considering my long range trajectory for what I was gonna do. I wanted to make sure that if I left, obviously I wasn't gonna see some kind of financial loss. Um, I didn't wanna leave music because I still loved it very much, but I didn't wanna push myself to the point where I wasn't gonna enjoy music or I would um, be resentful towards teaching or you know the educational system as a whole because that was, that was something that I still loved and I still do believe is very important. Um, I started to value more of my time spent doing non-band things. So I have, you know, way too many hobbies, which I've spent way too much money on, but I didn't have time for those kinds of things. And I was starting to realize that, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't making time for non-band friends as much. So to try to balance all that out and not just be worn out, just entirely exhausted at the end of every day, and then, you know, whatever things are coming up on the weekends, that was, those were signals to me that it was time to, you know, take a step back and look at different options. So I had applied for different jobs, you know, some of which I thought might give me more time. Um, I knew that whatever I went for would need to give me a little bit more pay. Like if I'm going to go spend some time uh, making a big career switch, um, I should at least try to get a little bit more money for that. And the cost of living here in Hawaii is expensive. It's very, 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 very high. And when you when you compare our pay against that cost of living, uh, that gets to be another stressor. Um, and I believe that's the case for a lot of my colleagues around the country. You know, when you look at uh, compensation versus their cost of living, you know, there's a lot of people holding second jobs. There's people who are um, you know, having to really pull back their expenses just to make ends meet. And sometimes having a family is a financial no-go. It just won't happen. So I eventually landed a job at my, in my elementary school, uh, right up the street from the school that I was teaching at. And this is the large school that, you know, fed, uh, about half of the students that would come into our, our school at Kwananukua. Um, it's a school that has been for generations, one of the most desirable schools to attend in Hawaii. And for many good reasons, academically, it's been very, very strong, 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 strong parent organization uh, that PTSA raises a tremendous amount of money, provides a ton of logistic support for school events and truly is a model for other schools. We recently 
uh, were awarded a National Blue Ribbon for 2021. And I went there um, knowing a lot about the school's reputation. Uh, I knew several teachers and other staff at the school. I knew the principal whose son was my student, um, which I surely hope wasn't uh, necessarily a factor in his decision to hire. But uh, I wanted to be part of something like that. And I took a position as the tech coordinator. So essentially doing all their IT things, including inventory management of a lot of devices. And I've been there for, this is now my fifth year there, and I haven't looked back. Uh, people ask me often, are you going to go back into teaching band? Or is that something you want to do? Or are you just taking a break from it? And I've always told them, no, I'm not really in intending to go back into that world. I, um, I enjoy my time off. I get to leave earlier than I used to. I don't have to go in on the weekends, evenings. I don't have all of those duties. Um, and I filled that time with other things, you know, with not necessarily being busy, but I'm pouring my energy into, into other stuff. And while I do still love conducting, I still love music and all of those things to be in the trenches and do that every day uh, is not something that I desire to do uh, for the rest of my career. So I'm pretty happy where I'm at right now. And I get to do music things. I get to play still. I get to conduct now and then. Uh, and I get to do those things on my terms. I get to say no to be the one to decide uh, rather than it being part of my everyday expectations. Uh, so this is not on, um, I'm not advocating for people to leave teaching band. If you love that and you can find balance in it, more power to you and more power to your students because you become a model to them of what a healthy work-life balance looks like, what a healthy life in music looks like. And so that brings me into what I've long uh, suspected, but only kind of recently put a lot of thought into. And when you look at you know, what we consider the model programs, the people who we admire most, the people with these, you know, tremendous um, programs where students are performing at a high level in all areas. They're doing chamber music stuff. They're doing marching band. They're doing concert band at a high level. They're, you know, uh, they're, they're seemingly doing it all. Um, that all comes at a price, right? And when we, when we look at those people and the hours that they spend and we we admire that right our, our society you know we we sell ourselves on who's you know the band director is that first person in the lot and the last to leave right and that teachers give all this time outside of the school day whether that's grading or planning and um we're uh we're held up on a pedestal for doing work for free and for the love of it and that's all great i think i don't think anybody's going to go into teaching or especially teaching band without having some love for it i mean this is not just a, a job that you can punch in uh clock in and clock out and uh, and that the work will still be there there's a lot of pressure because it's one of the most public things that the school will do is have these performances by the band and so that's it's this tough thing but at some point, 
what is the price, right? What is the price for that greatness? What is, you know, what are we, what are we teaching our students when life becomes banned and it's not just uh, something that makes your life better, but it becomes your entire world. And when we model that as directors, when our entire world is banned and we don't have these other hobbies, we don't have time that we're spending outside of things. We don't have other interests. Um, it seems to be, to me at least, very unhealthy uh, in the long run. And I didn't want to be one of those people anymore. Um, a lot of that was inescapable. Uh, my uh, last principal at Kwananokoa used to tell me, you know, all the time how, you know, much of my stress in all this time is my own doing. You know, there are things that I can say no to uh, that I'm not saying no to. I, I do, do feel that there were some non-negotiables coming into that into that program. Um, you know, our festival and just the needs of our, our community and how um, some of those need to be met uh, were non-negotiable. But it wasn't so much that it was um, something that couldn't be overcome or adjusted. Um, I just chose to do more than I really needed to uh, in, in retrospect. Um, did the band sound good? I think so. And the students had a great experience for it. And I think they still love music and have strong connections for it. Um, I question at times whether I would have gotten the same outcome with a different approach. Um, I think it's possible, uh, but I haven't I, I try not to look in the rearview mirror too much and see how you know how would I have done it differently. Um, I've moved on from that that phase of my life, but what I hope to do with this project is to take those lessons learned, to look at other programs around the country, and you'll see uh, things from all around the, the continental U.S. Uh, we're going to be interviewing some people in Canada. Um, retired teachers, new teachers, people in the middle of their career, people towards the end of their career. Just find out the lessons that they've learned, see how they, they run their programs, and try to find good things that we're doing, that people are doing, that we can share. I think it's so easy to be alone or feel alone in your band programs. And when you're the only person in your entire school doing what you're doing, um, that can feel extremely lonely. You know, if you're in a rural area and the next school is not for another 30 miles, that can feel even more lonely. And we don't get a chance to see each other work or to examine things. So I hope to be that voice and that, you know, that fly on the wall that kind of allows uh, me to open doors and windows into into the good things that people are doing and help those who are out there who may be struggling, you know, give you some validation that you're doing things right. Uh, and, you know, hopefully for our, our youngest teachers out there, our prospective band directors out there to show you models that work well, to show you people who have, um, have found the balance for them and their programs. You know, what may work in this community may not work in another community. And if you try to model your small rural program after this gigantic urban program, you're gonna be very mistaken.
I think a mistake that a lot of young directors make, and I've made this mistake, is trying to take a program model that you think works somewhere else and insert that to wherever you're at. And I think we have to remember that we need to serve our community and meet them where they're at and figure out what is sustainable for that school community and what are the needs of the people that I'm serving? What role does the band play in that? Hopefully this serves as a resource for you and at the very least, a moment of reflection for all of us. So thank you for he hearing me ramble. Um, we've got some exciting episodes coming up and uh, we hope you stick with us. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, um, I'd love it if you can subscribe. Uh, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and please share it with friends wherever you or they may get their podcasts from. Uh, stay tuned for some very exciting episodes to come. Thank you. Thank you.